Hello and welcome to Nobody's Coming to Fix You, a podcast for women, by women, talking all things life, empowerment and transformation. My name is Del Beer. I'm a businesswoman, sustainability advocate, industry leader in my field and have spent my whole career working in the fashion industry, working out what women actually want. I am the creator of the Sandsland Coaching and Transformation Programme and I am your host for this podcast. Joining me throughout the series will be lots of fabulous women, and men too, to talk about how we can share the best hacks to live our best lives. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Nobody's Coming to Fix You with me, Del Beer. Today we will talk about women, community and the rise of women-only membership clubs. I'm so pleased to be joined today by Viv Paxinos, the CEO of Albright, a premium women-only membership club based in central London. Welcome to the show, Viv. Thank you so much for having me. So today we're talking about women flocking to organisations that offer some kind of community engagement, membership and or centralised place to work. What do you think is fueling this demand? Obviously, there's been quite a, a lot of interesting trends with the return to work. And so not everyone is back in the workplace. So they are looking for a place sometimes more centrally or, or sometimes where they can come in and do some work and connect. I would, I would have to say that at Albright, we don't see ourselves solely as a membership organization. We're quite different. So whilst we have a social element and we think that's really important, we are a place where there's a convergence of community and leadership and learning and working spaces as well, right? So I think we're quite unique in that way. So women come to us because they want to connect with like-minded women. They want to be part of a community. And the reason why there's demand and we're almost at capacity, which is a great problem to have, is I think it's just really tricky being a leader today. There's a lot of demands from leaders that, that keeps shifting. And there's a lot of uncertainty, economic uncertainty, geopolitical challenges that impact the business. And you want to be in a community where women are going through those same challenges and support each other and lift each other up. And do you think that the fact that these are women-only destinations is making these environments more unique and more relevant? Or is it that they just want to be in the environment where they could learn and communicate and spend time with other people? I'm really interested about this women-only element. It's a good question. We get asked that a lot, especially because you see sometimes, you know, where, where there was male-only clubs where there's a lot of campaigning to change that. I guess it goes back to what I said before that we're, we're so uniquely, we're not just a social club, right? So the reason why, you know, we, we focus on women is women have a lot of different challenges in the workplace than men do. And it's not women at the expense of men. It's just women just go through different challenges at every stage of their career, whether, you know, we know that when women take time off from maternity, they don't get back. They don't earn as much for the next 10 years of their career, right? And so how do we help them close that maternity pay gap? So for us, you know, the reason we focus on women is just when you look at the data, women aren't where they should be when it comes to pay, when it comes to positions of power, when it comes to women on boards, and we're trying to close that gap. And when we close that gap, we will be so happy to welcome more men on our program. We do welcome men. So men do, we have about 25% of our visitors are male. And we do have learning programs that are around male allyship, around redefining leadership, that are open to all genders. 
you know, our mission is around creating a workplace where all genders thrive, but we're starting with women because they are 51% of the population. So we just need to make sure that it works for this, this part of the population, and then we'll open it up to others. It seems like a very balanced approach. And I was asking the question because I run Sandsland Retreats and that is for women only and the podcast. Why do you do it for women only? Well, again, it was not because I wanted to exclude men. It was just because I wanted to create an environment where women could have those conversations. And so we have a four day retreat followed by 12 months of coaching. And in that four day retreat, I wanted people to be as open and as honest as they wanted to be. And if one of their challenges is about feeling like they are missing out on opportunities in the workplace or they're being overlooked, then they may not be comfortable talking about that if men are in the room. So really, for me, it wasn't about I'm only focusing on women, but I felt like it was a creating, like you said, a single sex environment until such time that people are confident enough and strong enough to kind of then we bring them back together again. Even if you just look at health, women go through different challenges than men do from fertility to menopause to menstruation. But there's just so much that they go through and they might not be comfortable talking about these challenges and the impact it has in their workplace. So for us, it's, it's really important to create a safe space where we can help women thrive and they can lift each other up. And also we talk about onlyness, right? Feeling like you're the only one sometimes and you're not, right? And that's the aim of our community is to know that actually a challenge that a woman in our community has gone through, I may have gone through, someone else has gone through. So we're there to help each other so we can change some of that data. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's going to be difficult because like the kind of male clubs that we used to have, they were quite old and quite traditional and they were kind of more around socializing. And I think what people like yourself are doing are creating these very progressive women destinations. So they're not really just a social club. It's actually, there's lots of learning there. There's lots of development there. And I think that doesn't actually exist for men at the moment, really. And it should, uh, but by, by default, when you become a member, our, our default memberships have coaching sessions, they have group peer-to-peer co -peer coaching sessions. They have leadership workshops. We're unique in the sense we meet women where they are. So we have programs for female founders, middle managers, and senior leaders, and then board level. And they all have an element and start with an element of learning, right? Because that is at the heart of what, what we're here to do is, is that learning and leadership and development, but also the well-being. So we recently, earlier last year, we introduced the well-being pillar. To what we do. I mean, I strongly believe that as a leader, you can't be your best if you're not looking after yourself. And when you look at the data, again, all of that was data driven. We, we ask, we listen a lot. We conduct a lot of surveys. Women are stepping away from the roles because of stress, because of too many demands, because of conflicting responsibilities and so on. So we want to make sure that we're also supporting women's mental health and well-being and, and really helping them prioritize so they can be their best selves. I think it's amazing because I think that's always been the challenge that nobody was looking at this holistically. We're either giving people corporate training or we're getting involved in their personal lives and how they can improve their personal well-being. But actually realizing that they have to run hand in hand, they have to go together. That is really important. So tell me, like when I came to Albright for the first time last year and we were on that amazing panel and it was such a brilliant event and it was completely sold out. We had people standing up and some people out side and it was very exciting to be a part of that what kind of event is the most demanded by your members um, that was a great event it feels like it was last week i can't believe it was last year 
So depending on which members, if I look at our senior women, the event that we had, which uh, for anyone listening, it was a leadership event on innovation and women really enjoyed that, a very specific topic. And it was, you know, it was standing room only because we obviously picked a topic that they were keen to learn more about. And we find our senior w- women within our community want to be amongst other senior women and share those experiences. This morning, I hosted a session around the 2024 outlook and the convergence around economics and geopolitics and what impact does that have on leaders. And again, it was it was another standing room only. So when you look at senior women, they want to understand, you know, what are the things we're seeing from other C-suites? What are the, the shifts in demands from C-suite leaders? How can they manage different stakeholders? How can they balance short-term planning versus long-term. So those are the kind of topics that they're interested in. We host dinners for C-suite leaders, and that's always sold out as well. And we bring in a CEO and we ask them questions, they share their journey, and and that's a great way for them to learn. We have men and women speakers, so we, we try and mix it up. And then when you're looking at our middle managers, we have a program that's called Accelerate. So how do they get to the next stage of their career? And for them, it's very much around confidence. It's around negotiation. It's around learning about new technologies. So we have something around emerging technologies, which they love. So it it really depends. Our female founders club is really popular. It's a brand in itself. They meet monthly and they become like a, or their own network of female founders supporting each other. And there it's all around fundraising. We try to get them in front of investors as well and so on. So it really varies, but it's it's something that can, you know, the common thread is how do they take that next step in their career, whether you're a C-suite looking for a NED role or a middle manager looking for your director role or a founder looking for investment. That's interesting because a lot of organizations are focusing on maybe one of those things. And actually, it's very nice that you actually can allow people to travel through their career with yourself, you know, with your organization, you know, and they can build up from middle to senior management while staying with Albright. We have members who've been with us for five years. We have members that buy memberships for three years and they go through the programs. We've got a really nice lifetime value because of that. So we can see that they stay with us for a long time. That's really exciting. Tell me about 2024. What do you have in store for your members for this year? So for 2024, we're going to do more of the same. We're still focusing on our P pillars, which is uh, money matters. We're talking around building financial wellness. I think women don't talk enough about money. So we want to make sure that women talk more about money, understand how to manage their finances. We're going to continue to talk about leadership and the shifting demands of leaders. We're going to continue to talk about well-being as well. So those are kind of some of the key threads. Ambition as well. How do you take the next step in your career? So really doing more of what we do, but just really focus for those specific audiences in our community. We've got our Step Forward Summit, which is for International Women's Day that takes place on the 8th of March. And that is at Old Sessions House. So we, we have about 500 people coming. Yeah, we've got amazing speakers, which will be announced soon. I think 40% of the tickets have already been sold and we haven't announced the speakers yet. So we're really excited for that. And then we'll continue to have our leadership summits, the one you joined. So we'll do those quarterly. And then we there'll be a sprinkling of well-being, we call it Live Well, um, summits throughout the year as well. That sounds amazing. There's quite a lot for your members to be getting their teeth into. Is most of this happening in London? Most of it happens in London, but we've just launched our membership in New York and Manchester. So we are taking both Accelerate, which is for the mid-levels, and Elevate to New York and Manchester as well. 
and that'll be a hybrid model. So it'll be some virtual and some in person. Manchester is launching first in I think a couple of months, and then New York will launch in September. So we're just starting to do taster sessions with our audiences, both in New York and Manchester. How exciting. So if, if you live kind of nowhere near London, let's say, or maybe even Manchester is a bit far, can you be part of the community online? Yes, we've got a digital platform that you can subscribe to. And that's really about making sure we can democratize that access to mentorship, learning and inspirational content. We do about 10 virtual events a month, so you can be part of it. And if you're part of the digital community, you also have the option to come to Albright once a month for a networking event. So we have something called Albright Meets, which is a networking event, and that's open to our digital community. And they all, there's so many of them that come in for it, and it's great. And they love it. They're just not at the place yet where they can invest in a membership. So they invest in the digital membership, and and, and they come in for the monthly networking event. So we try and make it accessible as much as we can. That's so interesting that actually that you can sort of not so much try before you buy, but you can have a lighter relationship with the club and see how you get on with it before you actually progress into like a full membership. Yeah, I think it's just in line with consumers and what they expect in the same way when, you know, you're consuming content, you want to buy the content you want at your pace and you no longer want to buy a full subscription, perhaps, right? You want, I forget what the term is, but a la carte, right? You want to choose what you want. So we, you know, you have to be across all those consumer trends and make sure that we, you know, we're aligning our brand and our membership tiers in line with that. And talking about networking, it's something that people are talking about so much now we've had many years at home over the last couple of years people talk about their personal brand and building it and and networking is a is a really big part of that often i speak to women who say i'm just really scared to go on my own and i'm always trying to reassure people that it's going to be absolutely fine what would you say to people who wanted to come to be part of networking events but are nervous networking is the most important thing you'll do in your career Right. And the best things in my career have happened because of my network. And I approach networking as building relationships. Right. And I want to I generally am curious. I want to learn from others. You know, a great way to when you go to a networking event and, and this is might not be for everyone. But instead of saying, hi, what do you do? Where do you work? I often open up with like, what problems are you solving? And that opens up a different conversation. And, and you'll be surprised at how many people don't know how to answer that question, right? But when you do, and you think of it in that context of what are you solving in the workplace or in your career of choice, it just, it actually takes people a little bit by surprise. And then it opens up a different type of conversation. But I think if you approach networking as generally interested to build relationships rather than transactions, it takes some of the pressure off. Everyone feels the same way, so just go out and do it. Just the same thing with personal branding. I think it's really important, and, and so many women I speak to feel like, oh, I don't need a personal branding. Why would I build my own brand? But if you don't build it, somebody else will create this perception of you, and it's so important to own your story. And branding plays a really big impact in, in how you're seen by recruiters, by peers, by competitors, by, you know, attract clients, you know, generate business. So it's really important to to own that and and take steps because whether we like it or not, we all have a brand. You're absolutely right. And I think so many people who have been maybe in a a corporate environment for a long part of their career, 10, 20 years or something, they might think, I know what I'm doing. My company know who I am. You know, I don't need to worry about, about anything else. But I do think that it is so important, like you said, if you don't build your own personal brand, people will literally create it for you. There will be a perception of who you are. 
I think it is really important. It's not something that comes naturally to me. And even though it's one of our four pillars of our own business, I'm one of those people that, that is always like a little bit challenged by it. But I'm kind of trying to like make little baby steps. I try and do like one extra thing a week like that I haven't done before just to build up. Yeah, I do really simple things. And I think it's connecting to your purpose and your values and what's important to you. So for me, I make a commitment to post three times a week on LinkedIn. So one day a week, it'll be around issues like, you know, that are very, that I'm very passionate about, which is usually gender related, female related. And how do I make a difference there? Another one will be around leadership. So I've got three pillars and another one will be around leading a business. And those are the three things that I talk about usually consistently. Sometimes if I'm traveling, I'll, you know, I'll forget, but I try three days and I plan it on Sunday. These are the three things I'm going to talk about. I use ChatGPT to help me a little bit and refine it. And then, then I post throughout the week. So there's, you know, you can use AI to help facilitate. It doesn't write great copy because it sounds funny when it writes copy, but it gives you ideas. Of, I'd like to talk about this. Can you, you know, can you gather some data for me, expand on these points? And then I refine it. And it, it does take me half an hour on Sunday to plan my content for the week, right? And then there'll be things that I react to that I hear in the press if, if, if I think they're interested. But I think for me, those are the three, like just planning my content for the week and being consistent in terms of what I write about helps build my personal brand. The point around focusing on your purpose and values, I think that for me has been the most important thing because I think I've always been that person who was like, I don't want to just talk for the sake of talking. I don't want to talk just to raise my profile. And I think that when I started this podcast, and this podcast is all about empowering women and people, I guess are all people like yourself who are empowering women every single day of their lives. So actually, when I'm doing things like this, this gives me so much more purpose because I feel like I have a role to play here. So I've become much more comfortable creating this type of content. But I think that, you know, when like you're absolutely right, when you lean into your purpose and try and talk about that, that not only feels more authentic, it actually just, you know, you're just going to enjoy doing it more. I rarely will write about something that is not related to my purpose and my values, right? Because that's where I feel I have credibility, I have clear passion for, and that's what comes naturally to me. No, sure. So I wanted to ask you, last week there was this announcement about another membership club, Chief, closing down in the UK. And I wondered what your thoughts were about that and whether you thought that was any kind of like negative sign around this industry. And Barnabas closed as well. Another one closed, right? Two of them last. last is, I hope I'm pronouncing them yeah. right. But, you know, I my point of view is it's, it's never it's never good news because I want the sector to thrive, right? And it's never easy uh, for a management team to make those decisions. I can't comment too much because I don't know why that decision was made. But there are a lot of membership clubs that are thriving around London. So it's just unfortunate. And for me, I'm really passionate about bringing my peers together, the sector together, and making sure that as a category, we thrive. And I think the first thing I did was reach out to that management team and, and say, look, how can we get on the call? What can I do to help? You know, I'd love to understand more. So it, it is very unfortunate. And, you know, they're thriving in the U.S., though. They're doing a great job in the U.S., and it's fantastic. And, you know, sometimes we do we expand too quickly. Do we make I, I, I don't know. I can't comment. Right. Um, I hope they will continue to thrive because for me personally and for the category, I think it's important to have these businesses that are supporting women in these spaces. And in the U.S., there's a lot of it happening. There's a lot of spaces and networks that are supporting women. So I think they'll be back. I think it was more around focus on the U.S. versus the U.K. 
but they have a great model and I have a lot of admiration for the model that they've built in, in the US and, and hopefully we'll see them again in, in the future. And if you had to predict five years from now what you think this space around, you know, female empowerment membership clubs would look like, what would be your prediction? Well, I know what I'd like Albright's to be in five years. You know, I want us to be that global home for women in business. I want it to be the place where you're coming in to learn, to connect and to have fun at the same time and look after yourself. So it has to be a space where you are supporting each other, uplifting each other, but also learning at the same time. So I think for me, that's being that global home is is really where we, you know, we're focused on. Great. And now I've got a couple of quick rapid fire questions for you. Can anyone join or do you have to be recommended by a current member? Anyone can join. And it's based in London and we've already talked about how people who live outside of London can become part of the club. You mentioned Manchester. Are there any other locations in the UK that you might open? Not at the moment. We've got New, uh, Manchester, New York. We're deciding on a third location, but we're still debating that as a team. Do people, when they join the club, do they actually kind of expand their network or do they end up forming kind of small groups or kind of communities within their kind of like space? How do you think that goes? It goes both ways. We have a lot of successful transactions, business that gets done in the club, which is fantastic because we want to make sure you're getting an ROI. And then we have micro communities of people within the same industry that they get together and build this network, which is just as valuable. I always say you have to have your own personal board of directors and some people come in and find it here. And lastly, this podcast is part of Santalan. It's a woman's coaching and transformation program. And the word Santalan means balance in Hindi. So I wanted to ask you as a very busy woman, how do you get balance in your life? I love that. What a lovely word. I'll use it. How do I get balance in my life? So I don't have balance all the time. I think some weeks I'm better at it than others. What I try to focus on is presence. You know, when I go to the gym in the morning a few times a week, I'm very present. I don't have my phone. I'm focused. When I, I have two young kids, so when I'm with them, I'm, my phone's away. People just call me for emergencies if needed. And I make sure that I'm present. So there's some weeks that I'm more present than others. Some weeks where I get it right. Some weeks when I get it wrong. And I just, I don't believe in that balance, but I believe in integration and finding a way to integrate it and, and doing the best I can to make it to make it work and being okay when it doesn't work really well, right? So, you know, last night I, I was telling you before we got on, I, I flew back from New York and I was rushing through the airport. I think I pushed everyone out of my way to get home to see my children before they go to sleep. Of course, when I got home, they were already asleep because my flight was delayed and I was crushed because I hadn't seen them for a few days, but you know, what could I do? I saw them to this morning, right? And you just think sometimes that's what happens. You're late from work and so on. I'm fortunate enough to really love what I do and enjoy it. And so I focus on just doing things that are important to me, that are in line with my, my values, my purpose, my vision for the business. And then when I'm with my family and friends, because it's very important that I spend time with my friends, I make sure that I'm present. And I think for me, 2024 is about being more present in whatever I decide is important to me. Thank you so much for such an honest answer, actually. I think people are always reassured when people kind of talk about balance and accept that it's never always a perfect scenario. And I think your point around being present actually is really relevant because I think that's almost more important than anything else, that when you are there, be present. So that's amazing. Thank you so much, Viv. Thank you. I love chatting to you. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. 
tuning in to this episode of Nobody's Coming to Fix You. I hope our conversation about women, community and the growing prominence of women-only membership clubs has been both informative and inspiring. A very special thank you to Viv Paxinos, CEO of Albright, for sharing her valuable insights with us today. For what it's worth, I think any kind of event that will enable you to interact with other people, whether it's a fully-fledged networking event or an event about a specific topic, is worth attending. So many women go on their own, and most likely every woman there has felt nervous about not knowing anybody. But I find if you just offer a big smile and walk up to the first group of people that you find, they will be incredibly warm and invite you to join their conversation. Networking is key to building your personal brand, and personal brand is one of our four key pillars at Santalan. If personal brand is important to you, but you don't feel confident, maybe then start slow and start small with an online webinar and get comfortable being in an environment with other people. From there, you can work up to attending a physical event. Happy networking and see you next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Nobody's Coming to Fix You. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please follow us and subscribe for future episodes. If you have any questions about the content of this show, all the details will be in the show notes. You can also reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok at Santaland Coaching. Nobody's Coming to Fix You is brought to you by Santaland, a 12-month coaching and transformation program for women. To learn more, please go to www.santaland.com. I'm your host, Albia. Until next time, stay well.